Welcome to season two of COVID-19 Public Health Policy and Culture. In these episodes, we share international stories about the pandemic around the world, what it looks like in everyday lives, as well as what it looks like from the eyes of researchers and professionals who work on controlling the pandemic. This podcast is designed for information to be translatable from epidemiologists, emergency medical professionals, and those who do work on the front lines and what it looks like in everyday family culture on planet Earth during this historic moment. So you probably are aware by now that we use Anchor.fm here on this podcast for COVID-19 PPC. And I wanted to tell you about Anchor.fm because this is actually the second uh, podcast hosting software I've used. And um, I really like it. I love how easy it is to use. I love the fact that it's free. And they have so many tools here like music and all these different options that help you record and edit your podcast either from your phone or your PC or your computer. And then Anchor distributes your podcast for you so that it can be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And then also you can even make money from your podcast with minimum, with no minimum listenership. And it's all you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're new to podcasting and you're interested in um, getting started, I recommend Anchor.fm. So what you can do is download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started um, that's my recommendation. And, um, you know, after almost a year of podcasting, I'm really glad I found Anchor just recently. It just makes things so much easier. And uh, yeah, come check out anchor.fm. Before we begin, I wanted to reach out and let you know about the Public Health Podcast Network. This is a network of community, global, and environmental health podcasters who are out there to share health information. If you're interested in learning more about existing public health podcasts that are out there, if you are a podcaster and you have a public health related podcast, we would love to include you in our directory of community, global, and environmental health podcasts. And if you are interested in learning about podcasting, join our email list as in the coming months, we will be featuring more information and guidance on how you can improve your resume, get your name out there, market your skills, and learn more about podcasting for health equity in your community. For more information, visit publichealthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to this episode of COVID-19 Public Health Policy and Culture. I hope all is going well over there. We are in the beginning of summer. We're getting closer to summer vacation for a lot of people. A lot of students are completing their final exams. All the best to you if you are a student in healthcare, public health, or any other field that's going through finals week. All the best to you. Today we're talking about the difference between public health and population health. Basically, what we're finding is that there's just just a variation, variance of information about what's going on with the pandemic. And today I wanted to provide some more awareness about what public health is, how it is different from the medical field, the traditional clinical setting. These all have important roles in healthcare and in our community and global health. However, there are definitely 
differences between population and public health. So that's what we'll be talking about today. Before we begin, I wanted to reach out and let you know about the Public Health Podcast Network. This is a network of community, global, and environmental health podcasters who are out there to share health information. If you're interested in learning more about existing public health podcasts that are out there, if you are a podcaster and you have a public health related podcast, we would love to include you in our directory of community, global, and environmental health podcasts. And if you are interested in learning about podcasting, join our email list as in the coming months, we will be featuring more information and guidance on how you can improve your resume, get your name out there, market your skills, and learn more about podcasting for health equity in your community. For more information, visit publichealthpodcastnetwork.com. There's been a lot of confusion out there when it comes to the pandemic and information and who to trust. I've been seeing a lot of conflicting information. There's a lot out there that's confusing, and there are various reasons for that. Some of it has to do with the environment, the social environment, the political environment, and so on that have influenced the way information and messages have been shared about how to protect ourselves and others from this pandemic. Due to various factors, there are reasons why this pandemic had to reach the entire globe. There are ways that we could have prevented this. We saw it coming many, many months in advance here in the United States, but there were various factors involved that prevented us from being able to control the spread of this pandemic. The difference between messaging as we look at trusted professionals out there, what we should be expecting from these professionals. For example, epidemiologists are our primary sources of information. These are individuals that actually really should be listening to as it relates to the pandemic. And why? Because epidemiologists study epidemics. I know earlier on, before I was in the field of public health, I thought epidemiology had something to do with the skin. And I think that's very common. We have heard so much more about the word epidermis than we had about epidemics. And even up to this day, we don't use the word epidemic so much. We've actually gone straight into pandemic language instead. Epidemiologists study epidemics. These are individuals who participate in calculation, modeling, and understanding the rates of risk, even statistical analysis of how diseases are spread, how we need to control the diseases, what rates of infection have looked like, and also what the death rates have looked like. Epidemiologists' core work and core function is this very thing, how to control and prevent diseases. So if you're looking at information, the first place you really should be looking at is epidemiologist information, whether that's on Twitter or on other uh, social media or articles. Epidemiologists are your source of information uh, directly from the data. And the reason why I mentioned this is because 
you know, we've seen a lot of information and messaging from a lot of other people that may or may not be up to date or trustworthy. And today I wanted to distinguish the difference between who population health serves, what they're trained to do, and what public health is trained to do. And there are distinct differences. Epidemiologists, once again, are your primary source of information in a pandemic. I know we talk a lot about the front lines and we talk about emergency medicine, which is also crucial and very important. However, these are individuals who are working at more of the, I would say, almost the tail end of the pandemic infection. Um, This is when it's severe enough and people are at risk of surviving or not surviving from the actual virus. And that's the point where you would see an emergency medical professional. There are many steps before that that are uh, responsible, where people are responsible for understanding and controlling the pandemic. And epidemiologists are actually the front line when it comes to controlling, understanding, and just being there to investigate those pandemics and epidemics. They are also known as disease detectives. Epidemiology as a field, we often refer to uh, GIS, um, John Snow, as one of the founders of when we look at cholera in the UK, in London. John Snow was an epidemiologist who was able to trace down the source of cholera in London and was able to identify the source from a water pump in out on corner in London that people were going to and were uh, becoming ill with cholera. So we were able to identify this through mapping where people were going to get the water and so on. So GIS, Geographic Information Systems, is an important part of that as well. So as you've seen, lots of maps, lots of data on the news and on reports about how we are regionally uh, dealing with this pandemic, how it's affecting people in different ways. And I can keep going about public health because that is my field of study, my field of expertise. It is in public health. And there are 10 essential public health services. There are three types of uh, main roles of public health. That's assurance, assessment, and policy development. So public health is your source of where we can protect ourselves, where we can actually find the infrastructure, the policy, practices, and the actual professionals who are going to control this pandemic. On the other hand, we're talking about medicine. We're talking about emergency medicine. We're talking about population health. Population health is a clinical term uh, that we use in the healthcare field, the medical field, We talk a lot about patient populations. Patient populations are specific to that healthcare system, specific to that practitioner. So if I were an MD and I had a patient population, this would actually involve the patients I serve, my hospital serves, and those individuals. This is different from public health where we are looking at a broader range of individuals who are being affected, even globally. So looking at that distinction, different and very important to identify. So when we're looking at information that we can trust about pandemics, epidemiologists are at the front lines, the actual literal front front lines of that 
pandemic because they are the ones who are going to forecast. They are the ones who are going to identify, keep track of, controlling. Uh, they're going to model and assess and make estimates of where this pandemic is going to go, who it's going to affect. So this is a crucial role that is out there. So if you're interested in how to protect the public from the next pandemic, and if you're interested in having that as a career option, the field of epidemiology is where you would want to be. It involves some uh, mathematics. Uh, for the most part, it's a lot of fractions, a lot of basic math, but then it does also include statistical analysis and programming, data analysis, and data science as part of that process. I do want to actually go next into the essential public health services. So these were revised most recently in 2020. And so one of them is about assessing and monitoring population health status, the factors that influence health, community needs, and assets. So we're looking at that collaboration with the medical field. We do have population health. We have public health nurses who serve in specific disease topics. And so keeping track at the patient level as well, seeing um, up close what's actually happening, collaborations with MDs, what's happening there. As you've seen in the statistics, we're looking at hospital admission rates, how many people survive, how many people recover, how many people have passed away. This is important information for public health. The second service is investigating, diagnosing, and addressing health problems and hazards that are affecting the population. So this is kind of looking at the current and the future, right? Press actually past, present, and future issues in terms of health affecting a population and community. Population in public health tends to be a broader term. It's uh, not specific to a health center, a clinical setting. It is specific more so to a geographic region, such as a zip code, a city, or even a country or beyond. The third one is communicating effectively to inform and educate people about health factors that influence it and how to improve it. This is something that I'm very passionate about here in podcasting, communicating information about healthcare, about public health, how to inform and educate people about how to protect themselves and others, such as during this pandemic, finding out more information about other chronic diseases, such as autoimmune conditions, the various factors, those social determinants that influence our health and how we can improve them and take control of those factors in whichever ways are possible. The fourth essential service is strengthening, supporting, and mobilizing communities and partnerships to improve health. So this is a kind of a community outreach. This is where we can go out and share information, for example, about vaccines, effectiveness, and safety about how we can reach populations who have been unable to access the vaccine due to work or language or other issues. And also the new age group, uh, reaching the students who are within the younger who are now eligible for the vaccine for COVID. The other one here, number five, is about creating, championing, and implementing policies, plans, and laws that impact health. So here, number five is where we missed out a lot in the United States and in many countries, we were unable to implement the policies that would stop the spread of the pandemic. We found some ways definitely to begin to control it, 
but after almost 600,000 people dead, we have not done the best job of being able to control what we're doing through a shared message, which is something we found in another episode with New Zealand where they had a shared message and shared responsibility to stop the spread regardless of vaccine. The sixth one here is utilizing legal and regulatory actions designed to improve and protect the public's health. Similarly, to number five, it's the policies and plans. Now we're looking at legal and regulatory actions. Uh, some of the things we've seen in other countries where people were very strictly not able to leave their uh, quarantine during periods of time. We actually saw quite the opposite here in the United States where people who tested positive and they were participating in contact tracing. However, they were still out in public. There was no official way to stop somebody from going out and continuing to spread the virus. Number seven here is assuring an effective system that enables equitable access to the individual services of care and care needed to be healthy. So this is where we're looking at mutual aid and other types of services, uh, the food services that we have for children now who have been unable to attend school due to the pandemic and maybe not able to afford lunch um, in different settings, those various things, the food drives, things that provide equitable access, the rent support, the, the relief funding that people were receiving here, the stimulus checks that we received here in the United States. Number eight is about building and supporting a diverse and skilled public health workforce. As we've seen, public health, it's all-encompassing. It involves so many social determinants of health, and we've seen some very difficult conversations come up and very painful topics emerge about racism and social justice and even the enforcement system out there. So that is also public health, protecting ourselves from harm in various ways, safety, public safety, literal safety has been something that has been difficult to achieve in this country uh, due to our history of slavery and racism. The ninth one here is about improving and innovating public health functions through ongoing evaluation, research, and continuous quality improvement. This is another one of the topics I enjoy working on evaluation and researching and also quality improvement. It's one thing to develop a policy but how are you making sure that it's a worthwhile policy? How are you implementing those policies and making sure that those processes are actually beneficial? And how can we improve that over time? And then the 10th essential public health service is about building and maintaining a strong organizational infrastructure for public health. This is one that continues to require work. Public health has been in crisis in the past several years due to a lack of funding, We've seen a lot of people who have been forced to quit their jobs. There is an epidemiologist who provided very crucial information, and she was unable to maintain her employment there. We've seen a lot of individuals who also were not able to continue their work. So they were discouraged from sharing crucial data about the pandemic. Public health I can keep talking about. And so I think public health is actually still in crisis. Public health does a lot of work that protects us and keeps us safe. If you don't have a public health issue, that's public health doing its job. If you don't have contaminated water 
in your area, if you're not living with toxic air pollution, if you are living in a neighborhood that is safe and clean, those are all successes of public health. And I just wish all of that equitably for all communities in our country. So in summary, I'm talking a little bit about the difference between population and public health. I talked a little bit about how clinicians have worked specifically on population health as it relates to their patient population, who they serve as individuals, whether they have insurance or uninsured in some hospital systems, who they serve more specifically is what they look at in population health in the medical setting. We are talking about emergency medicine as well. These are people who are definitely on the front lines as it relates to seeing life-threatening issues of the pandemic and seeing after the fact, after the infection, after the spread, how this person is at risk of not surviving or becoming severely ill from the pandemic. Medicine, emergency medicine has been a crucial part of this pandemic in service to us. Another part of that at the literal front lines is our epidemiologists. These are people in public health who work specifically on epidemics. They work with how to study epidemics of disease, how to prevent, control, and even provide health uh, systems and services for the public at large, whether it be at city level, regionally, or even national and international. So I wanted to mention this because there has been some information and citation from people who may or may not be familiar with populations uh, at a greater scale beyond a hospital system. So if we're talking to an MD, an MD may not be trained in public health. There are MDs and other um, clinicians who will take on the additional master's degree in public health. And they understand what epidemics are, how to study epidemics, how to calculate relative risk and all the other things, how to do the two-by-two table, case and controls. But not all medical professionals are trained in public health. Not every MD is going to understand this pandemic in the way that an epidemiologist will understand it. So I just wanted to provide that information to you. Public health is where this information is being calculated, analyzed, received, assessed in order to protect the public. So when you're looking on the news, reading the news, and you're seeing all the statistics, that is epidemiology. That is your epidemiologist who is providing that data to you. So I hope you found this episode useful. You know, there are people out there who do study public sentiment. There are people out there who study misinformation and correct information and assess those things. And that's very important work. And then there are people who are uh, in the medical field who work on a specific type of medicine that may see just a portion of what's happening out there. So I've seen conflicting information on you know opinions on how to protect ourselves and so as we're nearing more of the uh, vaccination rates increasing um, this is good news at least that we are all finding ways to protect ourselves better i do want to share that 
there's a lot here as it relates to the chronic illness community, the immunocompromised. There are a lot of questions that are still out there that public health, researchers, medical systems are not quite ready to talk about that needs to be continuing in terms of information and awareness and knowledge for our immunocompromised community. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of COVID-19, Public Health Policy and Culture.